Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday, I guess in the afternoon. I'm going to do something a little out of turn. Really, what's next in line, I was going to do the Haftorah uh, podcast, but uh, I'm, and I hope to do that later today, tonight, whenever. Uh, but, you know, I gave a class, I give a, the way my schedule is, I have a, a share I give for ladies uh, <clears throat> in my show on Wednesday morning, and it's kind of funny, we knocked around a bunch of ideas, and I said to myself, that would be actually a very good thing for a podcast, and um, as a result... I was just thinking of this. I mentioned it to someone. He immediately volunteered to uh, sponsors Abe Gluck from Gluck Plumbing. Very kind of him. And uh, this is the second uh, podcast on this Parsha, Bayakel, which I said before is my bar mitzvah Parsha. It's kind of familiar to me. And uh, although I don't want to think about how bad I did when I did my bar mitzvah long ago. But uh, I'll get right down to the chase because we had a, a good time with this. One of the uh, One of the questions that uh, I'm, I'm not sure in which order to go, but it doesn't matter. One of the things we were talking about is the nature of, you know, the fundraising drive that Moshe does that we all know is oversubscribed and things like that. And everybody brought um, their cash up. So what exactly happened? Did they say, like in America, give us cash, and with the cash, the yeshiva will buy what it needs? <clears throat> that is not what happened. They asked for um, gifts in kind. So, for example... They need uh, diamonds, omnishom, and all. Do you have any? So people would give, you know, their own jewelry. The women, it says, came and they brought the tabas, chachwanezim, and this and that and the other. That itself is just like, you know, by Yavon, Nashim, Kol Nadiv Lev, Hevil, chachwanezim, and tabas, v'chumas, kol klizov. Right? So the women, at least the pashim shot is, uh, brooches, earrings, rings, and pendants. That's kind of interesting that, it's not, no, you're not taking money in a bank account, you're taking money off of you yourself. And I mentioned that it's very famous in Jewish history, or it will be in a second, that 100 years ago, during the First World War, in 1914-18, uh, this is something I gave a, 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 a lectures on many years ago when I started, so it should be online somewhere, uh, the, my Jewish history series, uh, and it's a, it's, it's a uh, 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 watershed moment in the, in, in the making of American Jewry, because what happened was when World War One broke out, World War One that is, uh, the Jews in Eastern Europe were really screwed. There was hunger, starvation, uh, disease, malnutrition, plus the army was going everywhere and, and pillaging and raping and this, that, and the other. So the Jews were mums in bad shape. And that's when the American Jews came together like never before, and they formed a joint. First came the Frum, that was Harry Fischel, and they started an orthodox thing called the Central Relief. And then the reform, the conservative, they started their own funds, and then the non non religious and so forth and so on. And finally they joined together and the idea was you know, put all differences aside. The main thing is to get money and support over to the starving and suffering Jews in Eastern Europe or in the battle zone. Now this is not Second World War when Hitler was exterminating people, this is the first world war. So the Jews were not the target, but they were collateral damage. Never excuse me, nevertheless the suffering was great.
And really, the American Jewish community mobilized a highly organized and very effective campaign to raise millions, uh, when a million counted a lot, and send it over there. And they set up soup kitchens and things like this. And they really did amazing things. <clears throat> okay? So, uh, one of the ways they did it was a fundraising campaign. And one of the things they did, it was in the New York Times, it was all over the place. They got Goyim to participate. One of the things is that they held rallies in like, uh, you know, either stadiums or in um, movie houses and things like that, opera houses, you know, what you would call today Madison Square Garden, but all over the country. And they had big speakers who would describe the suffering Eastern Europe. And the Yidden at that time in America, especially those who came from Eastern Europe, just got off the boat. So notice if you're talking about people in, in, in pain in Eastern Europe, as your mother, your father, your bubby, your Zadie, and so forth. And so it really hit um, a, 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 a button. And it's very famous that these um, meetings were very successful in raising a lot of money. And the women gave by his parku nizme azov asher boznehem. That women came, you know, when they heard Brandeis speak or Judah Magnus speak or this one or Maslansky, all the big speakers from yesteryear. And they would say, we need the money to help our suffering brothers and sisters who are not as fortunate as you are to be in the good old USA, away from the war, they're in the war. And, of course, people wrote checks and they gave money. Some people gave nickel. You know, it was in the New York Times. They enlisted people, gave a nickel, a dime, so forth. Because for that working lady in the sweatshop, a nickel was money, you understand? Now, a lot of women, especially middle class, upper class, came and gave their own jewelry. You know, it's recorded many times, like in the New York Times, in the Baltimore Sun, in the Chicago Tribune, all the rest of it. Women lined up. Because to them, this was a sacred cause. So they're simply repeating, in a very noble way, what happened 3,000 years ago to the Bnei Yisrael when they raised the money for the Mishkan. Now, the thing is like this. Um, that means people gave in kind. If you notice, by the way, the, the Nazis, like the rich people everywhere, they gave Davni Miluim, you know, no, they said, I guess, we're giving the diamonds. We have the exclusive one that anybody, you know, if you don't let us give a special thing, then, you know, we won't contribute, you know, like that. That's how easy with the rich and rich. But okay, but the regular people gave whatever they had, and they had left Mitzrayim. And so they literally gave, you know, the, 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 the jewelry that they had themselves. <laughs> now, a similar thing, of course, had happened to the Eglazov. So consider well. That means they were giving gold and silver and junk, diamonds, <clears throat> that they had uh, uh, taken from the Egyptians. I mean, where did the Nazis get, you know, Avnei Sham and Milimla, like Fevelachoshen, rubies and, 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 and sapphires and diamonds, the place was, where'd they get that stuff? The answer is they got it from the Egyptians. Because they were slaves, they didn't have no money. Now, think about that. Isn't that funny? Do I want stuff that was used by Egyptians in their lifestyle that has already had and all the for stunk in a business? Now it should go for Mishkan Hashem, Veshachanti Besocham. Isn't that a little weird? That the items, the material itself that was used for the Mishkan should have been taken from pagans, borrowed, by the way, and, you know, uh, now used for the most sacred purposes. Usually we'd say the opposite. Isn't Hanukkah the story where they said, we don't want to use the Mizbech that was used before. We'll knock it down, make a new Mizbech. Why didn't Moshe say like this? Dig in the ground, everybody should find gold. Hashem will make it happen. It'll be brand new, virgin gold untouched. And that's what we'll use. Tohor Shebetor, 
for the for the Mishkan. Sort of like you do with the Paraduma water, you know, the Mechatas. It's not like that. It's the stuff they use from Egypt. So that was just interesting. Have you ever thought about it? And um, so I say this is weird, you know, you stuff from the Egyptian. So a lady in the class, Mrs. Lopin, said, I thought this is the stuff from, from Yaakov Avinu. I said, where'd you get that from? She said, well, think about it. Now, she's not wrong. Listen closely to what I'm going to say. The Jews, at the time of Yosef and Yaakov and all that business, they were loaded. No, they did well. Part of a Yishritzu by Yerbo. And, you know, Yosef set them up very well. And you could make a lot of money in the cattle business, etc., etc. They were not poor. The opposite of poor. So, the Jewish people had property and bank accounts at the beginning of the Book of Shmos. But then what happened? They were enslaved. However, that took place. Obviously, if they were enslaved, their money was seized and was taken by the the masters. You get it? It's probably one of the easy ways that Paro had to get everybody to enslave the Jews. Whatever you find by the end, you could keep. You understand? I mean, you know, like that. Uh, It wasn't Babiza, it was Babiza, and so all of a sudden we see an interesting thing. This large group of people who are part of Yishu some, all their wealth and property, their, the real estate that they had in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania and in Florida, also was taken by others. You're screwed. That's what slavery is. What I'm saying is, the slavery in Egypt did not only involve physically taking a Kenyan goof and making everybody do Avodah's Perech. That's one side. Although, as I said before, not everybody had to do that Avodah's Perech. But number two, you're talking about, you know, uh, Karka and Metaltalin. Karka and Metaltalin. You know? Real property and, and movable property. So, now the question becomes like this. When Hashem says, 100 years later, 86 years later, however you learn the Cheshbon, that now the time has come to leave Egypt. So, from the strictly, you know, narrow point of view of the Jews, I was a slave until now. And now, I'm leaving, I'm getting the heck out of there. I don't have to work. I vote as parak anymore. Das Alain is an unbelievable thing. That's a that's a cause for Pesach for Pesach. You got physical liberation from the backbreaking slavery that was there until now. But to be perfectly honest, what about all the money they took? What about you hear where I'm going? What about all the money they took? Whatever happened to that? Do we ever think I don't think I ever gave thought to this? Do we ever think what what happened to all the wealth? And how much, you know what I mean, how much did it accrue, and how much did it go in value, and all that kind of business. It reminds me of after the Second World War by Hitler, and Israel got the reparations money, Shilomim, the Wiedergutmachung, and, you know, Germany gave Israel in 1952, I think, seven between seven and $800 million, which was money at that time. Plus, they also paid individual people who suffered the Holocaust, as I think we all know. And when that deal was signed, a treaty between the state of Israel on the one hand and West Germany on the other, all hell broke loose in Israel. And Menachem Begin led a whole movement against Ben-Gurion to kill the agreement. And, you know, he famously said, how much did you get for Bubby? How much did you sell for... It's like the joke about the Romania. You sold the mother, he delivers, you know? How much... You're selling the six million? And Ben-Gurion had a good answer. He said, I guess, we're not taking any money from Germany. We want our own money back. 
The Germans took from us six billion. That's what they cheshbon. I've seen that number. They cheshbon that the wealth of the six million Jews in Europe altogether come like six billion. So we're getting a fraction of our own money. You get it? By the way, in Echonami, even if we took their money, they owe us. You kill six million people and you torture all the rest of it. I'm entitled, among other things, to a civil suit to be paid. But chutz from that, it's our money. It's a, it's a fraction of our money, which is a good part. So the same thing in Mitzrayim. When Hashem told the Jewish people, take the Kesev Zom and all this other stuff, to some degree, it's their own money. Do you, you get what I'm saying? If I was taken by, owned by a, a family, and that family, you know, enslaved my great-grandfather, you know, 80 years ago, whatever it is, I mean, they got my money. On the other hand, when the Jews left Egypt... Not all the money they took was from that. I'm sure they took it says by Yenatsalus from Trim. If you go by the Chazal, they clean they cleaned them out, baby. You know? They cleaned them out. Anything that was gold, silver, and this and the other, they cleaned them out. That's why everybody was left ungushed up with camels loaded with gold and silver. That's how they tell the story, as you know. Very well. I'm not telling you what you don't know. So that means let's say I was a Jew leaving Egypt in the time of you see it's And let's say I got twenty five camels loaded with Kesef itself and other goodies. Avnei Shom, Avmiluim, who knows what. Okay, that was a a a, a good borrower. Um, so and now I'm in the desert. So what do I have? I have a lot of money, right? A lot of valuable stuff, um, of all sorts. Because what I mean by that is, we see in this week's parsha and in last week's parsha a lot about the earrings and nose rings and all the rest of it. Understand this well. When people gave golden earrings, these were earrings which two months before had been on the ears of the Egyptian mistresses. Agreed? These were physical jewelry of the Mitzrayim, which the Jews took out. It's physical jewelry of the Mitzrayim, which the Jews now had. So, who knows what earring this Egyptian mistress was wearing? Was it from her own or was it from the original Jewish stuff that they took from the Jews when they enslaved them in the first place? You hear what I'm saying? Now, here's the thing. I hold this a very good Dvar Torah. I don't usually do Dvar Torahs. But if you want one, you can you, you can use this. There's a famous um, vort, they say, in connection, and I'm sure you've heard it, in connection with the appointment of Betzalel, who is described as Lachsha Machshavos. And the shot was that Nachshon, Rashi said whoever, that Nachshon could tell your Machshava. And based on that, he would assign where it should go. And the way they always tell the story over, I've heard this since I'm a kid, from Chaim Velazhener, that when the Velazhener she was set up, some businessman was interested, what is it? I never heard of a before of that sort. And he made his business to pass through the town. And, um, no, that's not the story. Here it is. The, the Chaim Velazhen, when he was fundraising, yeah, that's how it goes. Chaim when he was fundraising, so he sent down a Mashalach. And the guy traveled from town to town and raised money. And then at a certain point, the guy raised sufficient funds that he could hire a, a, a horse and wagon. So instead of going to Fus, instead of having to walk, from town to town, he's originally done. Give the guy a break. 
He can afford, like we say today, a car or some wagon. Okay? So a rich Kavir in one of the towns, as sometimes these rich Kavir are like that, sometimes they say, hey, wait a minute. Last time you walked, and now you got a horse and wagon. I didn't give the money when I contributed Velash and Shiva for you to get a horse and wagon. I want to go for learning. You see? Now I see you using it for all kind of side things. You know, luxuries like a horse and wagon. Even though it's not a luxury, but you know, he was that type of Jew. And he complained to Chaim Velashen. That's how the story goes. According to the story, the Chaim Velashen said like this. Listen, but Salel knew the Machshavas. What's the shot? Let's say you are 100% Lishma. Because after all, the people who contributed to the Mishkan, some of them did it Lishma, and some did it because they want credit. You know, a person would like to say, see that Yuriah over there, that socket, that, uh, you know, thing, hold, the, the chain holding for the for the AFUG is mine, baby. You know, my father gave it, and we own a piece of this rock. That's how people are. And in fact, I want to put a little stamp on it, if you don't mind, Aaron Cohen. On top of the diamond, it should say, you know, donated by cats. This is a certain mentality. Mashain King is the other person who's like, you know, the Chazanish type. I give the money, I don't want any credit. It's totally Lashem Shemayin. So, Lachshav Machshavas means that Batal could tell who's the real thing and who's not. And let's say, for example, you were 100% Lishma, then your Kesev and Zav would go face for, for, for the Aaron, you know, for the box around the Aaron, you know, something really holy. But on the other hand, if somebody was not so much Lishma, so you go for someone on the outside, you know, one of the sockets for the curtains or something like that. And that's way the contributions of the individual people to the Mishkan was like a psychological reflection of where people were holding. You've heard that before, right? Um, and therefore, the story goes, the Rechaim Velazhin told the guy, listen, you, you're writing a check to the Yeshiva Velazhin. That's all you're doing. You can leave it up to Rebbein Shalom. If you're a Lishma, I don't know you, if you're a Lishma, I'm sure that your money's going to go for another Gemara or a Sefer Torah or a guy in learning, you know, discipline with food. If you're not so much Lishma, listen, to be perfectly honest, the yeshiva also has in the budget to have to pay for toilet paper. That's a fact. It is a fact. You have a yeshiva in your bathroom, you your bathroom, you toilet paper. So the money got to come from somewhere. So those who are zocha lishma, well, the money will go for a base marriage. Those who are not lishma, money will go for toilet paper. That's how the story goes. So I was thinking about that over here. I could do better than that. Here you are historically, back in the time of Mitzalel, and Moshe gave him the, God called on him to do this. So Moshe did not have this talent. Batalo did. Why Moshe didn't have the talent? Maybe if I remember, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what I think. But Moshe didn't have, Batalo did. Lachsha Machshavas. No, you know what he's talking about? Batalo could tell because he had the Ruch HaKodesh. It says, so It says the words. That he had Ruch HaKodesh. I mean, the Pasuk, it's not a Medrash. So he had Ruch HaKodesh. He could tell whether this earring was from originally from the Jews or was from Goisha business. You understand? The Goisha business. And if somebody would come and say, I guess I want to contribute a nose ring, this and the other. But tell myself, I guess this one, I don't know, you know, because I know its origin. But this one, I know, really was originally used by the wife of, you know, the Gra or something like that. And that one we'll use. 
you hear him saying he could tell the different Kesem He could tell where the Zob, the Kesem, and the Koshes were originally from, because you can be doggone sure if they cleaned out Egypt, then some of the stuff they took with them was originally Jewish property, and some of the stuff was not Jewish property. I would like to think, there's no way to know this, I would like to think that, uh, let, let me put it this way, if the women were in charge, and there's an Ebenezer on this, if the women were in charge, then then when Aaron said by the golden calf last week, give me your, your earrings and all that stuff, for his parking this maze of, if the women were in charge, which earrings did they give? You know, the, the, uh, or in other words, they gave unwillingly because they didn't want to go. They give the geisha stuff. No, what I'm trying to say is like this we have two fundraising um, episodes, one in Kisisa, one in Vayako. The one in Kisisa is for Egel Azov, the one in Vayako for the Mishkan. Each time it was physical jewelry, right? One of them ended up as an idol, the other one ended for the Mishkan. The people themselves were unkestopped with gold and silver. Some of the gold and silver came from the from Jewish sources. Some of the gold and silver came from pagan sources. It doesn't say anywhere. Notice this closely. It doesn't say anywhere that the Jews were not allowed to take out of Egypt idols that were gold. You, you, you understand? Remember, uh, back in Bracious, at one point, Yaakov says, That give me, when they, when they um, sacked the city of Shechem, they took a lot of idols. You know, gold and silver and stuff like that. And Yaakov had to specifically say, we're going to bury this stuff. Do you remember that? Now, you don't find that over here in Shemos. Right? Moshe doesn't say somewhere, give it all to me, and we'll bury it. I'll bet you, I mean, I don't know, I'll bet you that the gold and, 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 and other stuff that was used for the Egel Hazov um, was the stuff from, from, from the Goyim, which had been used in, in paganism anyway. So in other words, people contributed little idols of all sorts of things, earrings with who knows what was on them, you know, naked dancing women, junk like that. That's what the Egyptian culture was. Go look it up in the archaeology, in Egyptology, you'll see. Right? The, 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 the earrings and the things that they used this time was from the original Jewish source, what Yaakov had and the other Jews had way back in the time of Yosef and the generations afterwards. Now, I'll, that's why I think, and it's not just simply of art, I'll tell you, because um, I was thinking, we were talking about this very interesting Pusik, which cannot be well translated into English. And the Pusik says, in, uh, in Lamed Hey over here, Vayavoh Hanashim al Hanashim, kol nadivlev heviu chachmanezem, b'tazkumos kol klei zohov. B'chol sheriniva tunu hazov l'Hashem. Okay? So, what does it mean, Vayavoh Hanashim al Hanashim? Okay? So, Rashi basically says, Al Hanashim is together. The men came together with the women. But to tell you the truth, that's not the way to say it then. It should say, Vayavo ho Hanashim Hanashim. What's the Al? You get what I'm saying? What's the Al? It, 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 it's an unusual, um, it's an unusual, um, what shall I say, use of the word. Okay? And if you know Hebrew well, means it, it, it can mean the men came following the women. The men showed up on, on, the, on, top of the, on top of what the, the women. So the question becomes like this. 
when people came to contribute uh, gold and silver, who showed up? Was it the men, the men and women together, or was it the women, and then later followed by the men? So when they made this magbit, and they said, we're raising money for the Mishkan, whoever wants to give should give. Um, and you know, who's the one that, that, that stepped forward first? So it's the women came first. And the same women that didn't want to give the stuff for the Egos of, now they show up. And I'll tell you right now, what they used for the Egos of was one thing. What they use now, they, they, the, the, the women are showing up and saying, this is the jewelry that you want. And indeed, the Ibn Ezra says, you know, and Ibn Ezra is more of a diktuk type guy. He said, The women brought their gifts, and afterwards the men did so. Isn't it interesting? That the men came only after the, the real first responders <laughs> to the fundraising came up with the women. That's what David is saying. Once the women made them look ashamed because they all came and brought all their stuff, the men showed up also. That's a very, very interesting uh, shot. Okay? Now, David is, you know, it's possible to read it um, somewhat differently, but look at this. Others take, uh, I'm reading in English. Uh, let me get the Hebrew. Yeah, here it is. I, I pulled out my rusty, trusty, fancy um, critical edition of the Ebenezer because there's two, you know, Ebenezer has two versions, you know, and something like this. Anyway, get down to it. It says, The men came after, right? Al uh, means after the women uh, showed up first. And some say, no, there's another shot, is Al means the women called him. Notice the guy. <laughs> I've seen this before. A guy shows up. He's like, "Here I am with my checkbook. I have no idea what it is. My wife told me to come. I write a check. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, I came here with three pieces of gold. I don't know what the, my wife told me. Moshe, my wife told me to come here. <laughs> you know, and and so forth. Um, and another Britsonum by the will of the women. And um, this is so basically, you see this chiluk. That that uh, that they, when they actually bring the physical jewelry, it's that the initiative women. The women didn't want to do the egalazov. Uh, the the jewelry stuff that was used by egalazov, I'll betcha, was the stuff that was already of Odizardic, You know, the Egyptian business. Now, by the way, if you want to be a pilpalist, I just don't feel like going in this direction. But I bet you the Chidor or something like that. Why did they borrow the uh, you know by Ishalumim's round? Why do you borrow? Why, why don't you just take it? So. I just occurred to me, you know, this is like an Abishas type thing. If you, if you want to be technical, I mean, I don't, you know, if we want to play around, so how could they take the, all the gold and silver of Odazar? A lot of stuff, I'm sure all the jewelry in Egypt was of Odazar. You know, Egypt was not the Memtesh Sharitom. The Egyptians were by the Nun Sharitoma. The Jews were by the Memtesh Sharitom. But the Egyptians were by the Nun Sharitoma. They were totally, and everything was a, was, was a Odazar. So, uh, what do I want to say? If you have a Vodazora, I say, how can you use it? Unless it's, it's unless it's mavatalit. But a Jew can't mavatalit. Only the guy can mavatalit. And if a Jew owns it, the guy can't be mavatalit. So basically, you say, I guess, borrow it from, this would be like Abishot's type work. Borrow it from the Egyptians. That way, they'll still be the owners. And when we have Yitzis Mitzrayim, it's a Bechol Elohim Mitzrayim, the whole, the whole Mitzis of the Yitzis Mitzrayim and the Yush, the, the Egyptians felt, when the Jews are leaving and they said, leave now, go quickly, you know, get out of here, that itself constitutes a gigantic bit of all the Avodah But that's if you want to have that kind of art.
But uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rather that this partially reflects, as they say before, this distinction between this set of, of, of money and that set of money. Now, I just said Moshe Bitzalel was the one who, who who was told to do this. At least I think so. That's why it says that Lachsha Machshavas, which fits in very well over here. Why not Moshe? See, you want to know something? Moshe was in a funny situation. I'll tell you the truth. I only gave thought to this this morning. I never thought about it before. When Moshe wore a mask, right? Now, how do you understand that he wore a mask? So, I don't know if you ever gave any thought to this. I didn't. So, Pashim Shad is Vaitin upon a Masveh. So, Moshe, um, was there slits for his eyes? If that's so, Moshe looked like a, a robot in a science fiction movie, right? You have the shining thing is coming out of the eyes. I mean, he looks scary. I think that he just covered his whole face, you know, which is amazing. So when people would come to him, he'd have to talk to him, right? And uh, how's it go? When people come to talk to Moshe, hey, serious, my smell, is that how it goes? Is it, isn't it the end of Kisisa? Yeah. That says, right, exactly. When, when pe- pe- Moshe could only talk to the people with his face covered up. That's my point. He could only go face covered up. And different Moshe is like weird. Couldn't see anybody. Uh, now, maybe you could see, you know, like in the comic books, and you could see through, through you know, whatever. The outline, but I'm just you know, Ruch HaKadosh or whatever. But Moshe didn't see anybody. But if, if Moshe's covered with a mask and it denotes the idea he can't see them, I think it means maybe he can't see the you know, the the, the nature of the jewelry or something like that, or the Lishma part. But Salel could. I don't have that 100% worked out, but I'm I'm sure that the fact that Moshe's face is covered in a mask and every time he talks to people, he's covered in a mask. We don't, you and I, you usually don't think of Moshe in that way. Agreed? You know, usually you think, you know, he must add like slits or something for the eyes or whatever. Uh but Basal apparently is the one who had this this kind of ability. Uh, uh if I'm not right, then you have to say that the gold and silver that the Jews took out of Egypt, which was by Nazism's round, they took everything out of Egypt, was simply promiscuously uh mixed with each other and nothing ever came of it. It's hard to believe. You know, the way the Rebbe is running the world, it's hard to believe. It sounds more like they took Trafus stuff out with them, and that Trafus stuff was sort of like destined to end up in a golden calf situation. It was just bad to take the, the Trafus stuff, the pagan stuff. Um, but they also took kosher stuff. They took stuff from Yaakov, from Yosef, from the Shvatim, from the Imahos, and who knows what else. The fact that that stuff was used by such great tzaddikim, the Masilis Sharm tells you, that a, a, a physical zach that was used by a tzaddik in a vodas Hashem, provided he's the real thing, is itself kadosh, right? You know, in the last chapter about kadusha, over there, next to the last chapter, uh, so they had gold and silver that had a kadusha to it. They also had gold and silver that had the opposite of a kadusha to it. The gold and silver ended up being dispersed for Project A, which is the golden calf, and Project B was which was the mishkan. Libi Imerli, it makes more sense that the divine providence organized matters, that the good stuff ended up with the good and the bad stuff ended up with the bad. Anyway, that is what I wanted to share with you. 
Um, once again, I want to thank Abe Gluck really for stepping up to play it at the last moment. Uh, don't you think that's an interesting approach? Uh, and it puts the men and the women situation in a very interesting light. But anyway, with that speculation, I end. And I once again say to you, have a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.